in the last uh, few weeks, three different Magic 30 products were, 30 anniversary products were released, announced, and or participated in. Magic 30 booster packs, Magic 30 the event, which we attended this last weekend, and Magic 30 the secret lair. Um, this is the MMCast podcast. We're going to be talking about all three of those things, the good and the bad. Uh, I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Excited to be here. It was an amazing weekend. There's so much to talk about. We appreciate you guys being patient to hear the whole Magic 30 breakdown uh, over a week after the event, but we just wanted to let all the dust settle. There's been so much discourse, so much conversation, and there's so much to say. Yep, and and so we're going to kind of cover each of what they are, what they were, what we liked about them, what we might not like about them. Do we care about them at all? Um, and and I think I think like, you know, one of the big overarching kind of statements and i'd love to hear people in the comments talking about it after they hit that like and subscribe button is you know all three of the events to different scales have this weird vibe of like exclusivity upcharge and i think that's one of the big mistakes surrounding all three of them in like the sense that all, all of them are expensive hard to get impossible to get hard to get to and because of that, for something that's supposed to be about celebrating the 30th anniversary of Magic, you would think that would be more akin to like something that welcomes everyone, right? Like here's a big everyone at every LGS gets a promo if they play on, you know, August 1st next year when it's actually the official 30th anniversary. And and for the, and for those who don't know, the actual 30th anniversary is next year. These are all products that will be kind of going throughout the year. And so they starting it now. And there is supposed to be more stuff coming out. We just haven't heard about what it is. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's caused this like very toxic conversation on what all of these products are. Cause, cause in a vacuum, almost all of them are, are able to be judged and should be judged on their own merits, but because they're all under this weird umbrella and they're the only things under that umbrella, it's been this like very weird four weeks of discourse. I think the thing that has to be acknowledged, and this will be a running theme throughout the episode today is that. Right now, as we approach the 30th year of Magic the Gathering, it's not in the same place that it ever has been. And it's not really in the same place that it was even five years ago. I mean, I think I think in the conversations that we were having in the in, you know on this podcast and after several years of doing it in the 2018, 2019 years, going to events and talking about magic, things have changed drastically. It's it's a we're, magic and the, the culture, the game, the product release. It's not that it's better or worse. It's just a vastly different subject than it was then. And I think it has to be acknowledged by the people that have been around for a long time doing it and, and who are immersed in it. We support it on all levels. We support the high-end products. We also support the, I mean, personally, I won't speak for you, but like I proxy cards. Like I, I respect the fact that the gameplay itself is more paramount than the owning of the cards. I think that that's like the most important part of Magic is being able to play with the cards. And you're not excluded from doing that if you want to Sharpie onto the back of a piece of paper and say that it's a Shiv and Dragon. Like, so there's a there's a multitude there's a there's a vast vast chasm of how you can play and consume this game, and I don't think it's ever been in the place that it's been even close to now. So I think that that is going to be probably a large part of this conversation. Yeah, um, and and so I do want to kind of get into it uh, and get started with the pack uh, version because I think that's the easiest um, slash maybe the most contentious, uh, and that's how you start a podcast on YouTube farming the the likes and the subscribes and the comments below with your angry comments of disagreeing or agreeing, please fight with people. 
don't do that. Be nice to people in the comments. I don't, please don't start fights. Uh, but um, before we do that, I do want to shout out uh, our, our multiple sponsors. First off, if you are a Patreon, uh, you uh, for the next four months get access to this awesome altar sleeve if you're at the $5 level or above. Uh, it's me as the Emperor fighting Ben as Luke Skywalker. It's for Lightning Bolt specifically, but you can put it on any card. Uh, you get that for free, as well as if you use uh, the code, uh, the MMCast at uh, any altar sleeve. Uh, check out you help us they support us and you can check the link out below there are these cool things that go over other cards it kind of is like getting custom um, card alters but without having to uh, damage the card it goes on like an inner sleeve in, in the middle they're really really awesome the other one is if you're going to mtg summit it's this week me and ben are both going to be there uh we're really excited i'm going to be doing some some cosplay of different one piece characters which are definitely magic related um but uh and other stuff but uh if you haven't bought any of the stuff if you use the uh the code kess k-e-s-s you get five percent off anything you're, you're you're buying through the system um and it uh throws back uh points towards me that go towards things i actually don't totally know what but uh it's i'm excited to achieve that and i'm almost i have one left uh before i reach my first whatever level i get so that's pretty cool I'm also going with Alex, and I'm going to be playing a set of my original music at the VIP party on Friday night. Um, it'll be probably a short set, a little shorter than the one I played on tour, maybe 30, 35, 40 minutes. But there's a VIP party that's a couple blocks from the event site to kick things off on Friday night, and I will be playing a set there. So if you guys are going and you're interested in seeing that, then come hang out. And all right, let's talk. Let's talk Magic 30 packs. So uh, for those who don't know, um, there's a thing called the reserve list. Uh, it is a thing that uh, at basically after a certain point, Wizards made a promise that they will not print cards ever again on this list. And that was what they said, right? It was very specific in its language, but the idea was they wouldn't reprint these cards to maintain their value. Iconic cards like Black Lotus, most of the cards in Alpha and Beta, the first set of Magic, were printed in them. It was relatively early in Magic's history when they introduced this. It was long before they had gotten into many of the premium versions of cards. Foils had existed for a few years, and it doesn't encompass an enormous number. It's roughly 700 cards around that total. There's all of the power cards that Alex mentioned, there's a lot of iconic cards, and then there's like a kind of just smattering of collectible cards from the early sets that don't have a lot of significance to gameplay value they're just the magic hadn't been around that long it was like you know less than 10 years and so there was a lot of cards that were old and 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 part of the promise was that a percentage of each set's rares would be added to that list and as they went forward after making the promise a lot of they like specifically would add the cards they didn't think they would need to ever reprint onto the list and they would save the cards that they would want to reprint off of the list right. so it it also the, the reason they started stopped adding stuff is they realized that that's insane um but so there's like weird cards on it and and it's the reason that they can't ever print a uh common one white white first strike flying two two like that card can't exist in a state ever because it's a it's on the reserve list it's a reserve list card um and so but uh, there's been a few loophole moments. So gold border cards were the first printed, which is the collector edition. Um, that was a full set that had every single card in, I believe, alpha, right? And then they then did additional types of gold cards, which were tournament decks, which are non-legal cards. They all had different card backs than a regular magic card. So they're not real cards um, that they printed. So that was kind of two times they've done gold border before. And then they there was also a loophole where uh, they could print like foil versions of them. That's why the original from the vault relics has some foil uh, reserve list cards in it. They closed that loophole after that printing, and people kind of yipped and yelled about that. There's Cut also to- there's also a very and just because I think it's interesting. There's a little tiny window where 
the reserve list had not yet been established and they were printing foil versions of cards that then would eventually become reserve list cards. No, no, no. So it, there was are a, pack it was established then. Yeah, well, I was going to say there was, well, no, no, like, like, oh, uh, cards weren't on the, res like the reserve list existed and they were still adding cards to it while they were printing foils. Okay, so like donate is a good example of a card that like Correct. there is a foil donate that exists that's a pack foil that is on the reserve list. The donate cannot be reprinted because it's a reserve list foil. There's not that many reserve list foils. There's like a very small number. Um, well, and judge promos were a lot like guys cradle, right? There's some foil. The foil loophole was like still kind of. I guess my point is there's, there's, there's not that many pack foils that are like like actual pack it's, foils that are reserve list cards that you could open from packs. There is a small number because not that many cards from those sets once foils existed before it's, they it's, abolished. It's the last yeah. set of Urza's, right? It's Urza's legacy packs. Uh, like, uh, yes, legacy with the hammer. So like yeah, Multani Mero Sorcerer or yeah. like Phyrexian Negator is in Destiny. Like so, there's so a bunch Urga, of cards Urza's, like Urza's legacy was the first set with foils and is the last set with with the reserve list. So it, it's is this perfect. Any of the cards in that set that are foil and on the reserve list. The like Academy yeah, Rector yeah. is very expensive. Right. Um, but yeah, so so beyond that, uh, so so which like that's all just like a backstory of what the reserve list is. So, and it kind of is a conversation around Magic 30 packs. So then they announced for Magic 30 that they are bringing back gold border cards or gold back cards, which is they are printing packs of beta, basically. Uh beta cards with new new borders on the front, a new set symbol, but there are one in every pack. There's an old border card. On the rare sheet, there are two of the, the lands. All of the dual lands from the original set are on the reserve list. Power 9 is in there, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it's a $250 a pack, $1,000 for four packs, and it's a randomized pack, which is unpopular, <laughs> to say the least. People were not, yeah, people were not happy. I mean, it, it definitely it had the response that, and let's be honest, it had the response that many things in Magic uh, that, are, that are new ideas have. It's not like this is unique. It's a very common thing. The community is vocal, um, and and very often there is a lot of backlash. This doesn't feel so different than many decisions that have been made over the years. The biggest difference here is that it feels very close to an issue that has been a bone of contention for so many players. The reserve list has not been a popular topic. Many people feel priced out of owning dual lands for their commander decks, and I don't think that's I don't think that there's a lot of people that are like I should be able to own a black lotus. I think the vast majority of people want to be able to play Wheel of Fortune or they want to be able to have the appropriate dual land for their favorite commander deck. And it's just very expensive. I think I think this falls under the same category of like when things become a perfect storm of unpopularity, the 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 secret layer with The Walking Dead is a good example of that. Yes, it's because there's four different factors that four different factions get to unify of their problem over the product all at once. And it creates this perfect storm of anger that bleeds out probably farther than it should. And with this product, uh, you know, you have people that hate the reserve list and want the reserve list to go away, but they don't like they want the reserve list to go away. So cards get printed into the ground, right? They want all cards to be affordable, including old cards. You have the group of people that like the reserve list and they this is kind of skirting around the reserve list. You have the proxy community uh, where, you know, ostensibly Wizards of the Coast is printing proxies. Now, I think this is a different product than proxies. Um, but they're printing proxies that are not tournament legal. So that's one important thing. None of the cards in these sets are able to be played in any tournament, any official capacity, even in commander, they are technically not legal though. The RC's general philosophy on it is that they're 
not legal, but they're also not going to jump into your commander game and say, don't play with those cards. Uh, they are a relatively lax proxy policy since you're not playing in a tournament. Uh, it's yet to be seen how official tournaments like uh, the Marchesa event will allow these cards to be played in the event. My guess is that they would be more willing to allow these cards. Uh, same as Canadian Highlander classically has allowed gold border cards as official cards within their tournaments. Um, and on top of that, the cube community can play these cards to their full extent. And that's one of the points. If you were to go look at the cost of a collector edition, similar legality, Black Lotus or any of the other product, a Black Lotus was $5,000. And that's a big key feature to this product is they are printing a $5,000 card in a product. And that means Wizards is going to cost the pack to match that value, and they've done the math on it. They learned their lesson with Modern Horizons 1, where they released a set that had more value than what the pack was being charged. It was a $7 pack, and people, as soon as it hit the market, were charging $12, $14, $20 for a pack. The Modern Horizons pack out the gate was already being marked up, because the retailers realized that opening the packs was worth it. <laughs> like if 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 there was just gold black lotus in these packs and they were $10 a pack, every store who would receive one would just open them hoping to get a black lotus and and no one would actually get their hands on the pack or they would immediately mark it up to the $200 price point. That's like how the economies of a pack work. And I think it was I forget who did it, but someone created a program where you can literally automatically using the program try and like open packs and see what you would get. And the average pack opening value or box opening, so four packs, is around $800, which is $200 less than the whole box, which is generally what Wizards is calculating packs should be on a ratio of opening to not opening. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about this that stands out to me that's so interesting is like, you and I at lunch talked about this today. There, Of all the cards that exist on the reserve list that there's a concern over this type of product being printed, uh, there's only a small number that actually would be affected if they were printed into a product like this, right? Like, like this particular product does not include a, a number of different cards that are on the reserve list, all the later expansions. Um, but, but even if you were to open a Black Lotus from this set or a Tool Land from this set, it's a totally different edition. And those old sets are so protected by the nostalgia and collectability you would have to print so many more copies than these to really affect their value at all. And well, in, and I don't, in I don't, ways, I, I don't, yes, I don't know if th there's a whole conversation that we could get into that I don't want to do today because I do want to get to the other Magic 30 stuff on like, is the reserve list a thing? What is the reserve list doing? Does it exist? Right? Because that, that could be an entire episode. But I do, I do want to talk more about like, is this product good and is the anger valuable? Because I think. I go both ways. On one hand, this product doesn't exist. And what I that what I mean by that is there it's it's opt-in only, right? It's not like Modern Horizons, where if you want to play modern, you have to play with Modern Horizons cards. When the Lord of the Rings set comes out, if there are cards that are good in that set, they are modern legal. You're going to have to be able to play with them. You're going to have Ragavans, you're going to have solitudes, right? This set, right. if you you never have to see a card from this set ever in play. If no one ever buys it, it won't affect anyone. There's no one's going to be missing out by not owning these cards because they're not tournament legal. Now, are do they have value? Yes. It, opening one of these is not just opening a fake proxy. A Black Lotus from this set is still going to be valuable to like six different audiences we listed. 
not to mention the magic community and the commander side of things is really lax on proxies while also this is the weird gray area that anti-proxy people and pro-proxy people both agree you can play with them right i know a lot of people that will play with like a gold i have a gold border force of will i mean i would play with proxies i have really cool proxies too right but like i think that that's a weird subject but the the, the other part of it and something we haven't talked about is what wizards is going to use these packs for they're to well, sell hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, before, before you move on to that subject i do want to go back to what you were saying a second ago because the point that i was trying to make a minute ago was the collectability of most of the cards from old magic is, is kind of locked in like it, it it doesn't really matter if there are new printings of the most collectible cards only because people will still want to own those og versions there's, there's a reason a pack foil version of a card is so much more valuable in an old set than like a foil version from a master set right like there is just something about the authenticity of the old thing that is not really going to change. I mean, um, a, it, a foil, time spiral, future border, future site border, Tarmogoyf is still $500, four, $398, yeah, right? Like, and that's not exactly. true of a, like a regular Tarmogoyf is 12 <laughs> It doesn't change much because there is this thing and, and there's, there's it's, it's the reason 7th edition foils are so expensive. There's this very like, extremely specific idea of wanting to own something that is rare. And just because they print something in Magic 30 doesn't mean those old cards become less rare. Now, that being said, the part of the conversation that gets introduced is, number one, these Magic 30 packs have black borders. As much as you and I both agree, based on our conversation today, that a gold border card is cool to have. Like, I do think it's cool in a commander deck to have a gold border piece of power. It's also gold border, which like some pe- some people don't like. They don't want their card to have a gold border. That signifies something that is not legitimate. They want a black border, which on some level means that the black border Magic 30 Black Lotus will probably be more valuable than the Collector Edition. Like it probably will over time go up and be more valuable unless there are additional printings just like it. Um, it depends, most- right? Like, ooh, like... A, I think that the the old border ones look great, but the the new border versions of those cards are all ugly. His <laughs> opinion I have, which that's subjective. It's rarity, right? Like there were only so many collectors editions printed back in the day. There was way less people buying Magic cards, but it was also not a premium product. The collector edition, you could get the whole set for a pretty meager price. So the time it was thirty years yeah. ago. <laughs> but, but 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 okay. But so the last thing I was going to add before you get into what you were just about to say was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classically Magic's design, this this goes to a whole conversation we had at dinner with Sheldon, was Magic was designed out of the pack originally as a 1v1 format. Within a year, it became a 60-card 1v1 tournament format, right? Packs were sa- pa- like packs were sold, decks were sanctioned, events were had. You had to have a real black border version of the card to play in the tournament. And that was a lot of the value in Magic was established from that understanding. The most popular format now is Commander, and it's not even close. And Commander doesn't actually require you, for the most part, to use real cards. Some people are sticklers, but it's not sanctioned. When you play a game with your friends, there's no judge checking it. It's it, You can play what you want, which means owning a real version or a gold-backed or a gold-bored version doesn't really make any difference. Mm-hmm. It, like If it's, a, it's an actual card that has a Magic logo on it that prints and slips into a pack, it's kind of the same thing. It almost invalidates the whole concept of tournament legality. I sold six copies of Phyrexian Dreadnought at the show over the weekend. And the last copy I had, they wouldn't buy. And this woman who buys legacy packs, I mean, it, it had some you know rough 
stuff on the corner, but she literally was like, is it playable? And I said, of course it's playable. It's got a little bit of rough white stuff on the corner. And she goes, she takes it out of the sleeve. She's running her finger across it, right? She closes her eyes. She's like, oh, there's the indent. And I was like, what do you mean there's the indent? She goes, oh, there's a binder crease here. And I was like, I can't even see it with my eyes. And she's like, a legacy judge will check this and it could get caught. And the deck, the deck could get DQ'd because there's a binder crease here. And for that reason, I can't buy this. And I was just like, that is so insane. Like, if this is double sleeved, I can't even see what you're talking about. Like, but that's the difference between 1v1 and what we're talking about. Most of these cards are going to be used in Commander, not Legacy. That's that's sure. like, they can't be played in Legacy, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They can't, they can't be played in Legacy. So, so yeah, I guess, I guess like in Magic the Gathering is unique. Historically, most of the value has been perceived to be by playability. That's not necessarily true. But that's the the running theme, right? Meat Hook Massacre is worth forty dollars because it is a playable card in multiple formats and standard dominant. Uh, Jace Vrin's Prodigy was an eighty dollar card because it was the key card in standard, and every single standard deck was playing it. Plus, Modern was playing it. Plus, Legacy was playing it. Plus, every other format wanted the, wanted a copy of it. This moment that it wasn't being played as that much in standard isn't seeing that much play in other formats. It's now a ten dollar card, right? It drops out in price. Playability is important. These gold cards aren't that, but collectors, right? These are officially from Wizards is mouth to God. These cards are not that, right? You can't play these. You are not allowed to play these cards as game pieces. They are meant to be collected. They are much more akin to baseball card versions of magic cards where, and baseball cards do stuff like this magic pack all the time. There is a, you know, a a $10,000 pack. It's one card and it's $10,000 because every single one is guaranteed to hold a jersey from one of the championship winning players of that year and has a little piece of cloth from it, right? Like that stuff exists right. all the time. That is a little bit of what the market here is, right? right? The, 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 the point for who's going to pay for this is whales, people that want to do the gamble, have the money to do it, the ones that were in Vegas who are like, I'm going to show up to this table, this back rat table and drop 50 grand onto the table and, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm going to, you know, and, and I might lose it. I might win it. I can afford that, which is like the one thing that I, I think is ironic is there's a lot of like, we need to pro- like, there's there, a little bit of the anger is I want to protect the whales, which is like not a thing that I care about doing. Like if someone I can't afford to drop that much money on a pack that is proven to be worth less open than it is closed and wants to open it because they want to risk it for the biscuit. It is not my job to dictate what that is. Now, Alex, I would like to I would like to be environmentally conscious and protect the whales. I would just like to put that out there on this podcast. That is important to me. It is something that does matter to me. I don't want ben, you guys ben, to I'm get tell you right now here. that if someone was like, "Here, uh, this is an endangered blue whale <laughs> steak," <laughs> <laughs> I would eat that steak. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> um, but um, the there is that, but. The other part is because they've now established that this pack is special in this way. They can use it in the way that they use it at the Magic 30 event, which is one of the coolest giveaways that's out there. They were literally you you could be walking around and if they saw if, if a a person who was doing this saw someone having a good time, they'd be like, "Yo, you look like you're having an awesome time. Thank you so much for coming to the event. Here's a here's a booster pack." And you would get a so Magic exactly. 30 pack. They also if you had specific tiers um of like badges bought you would get some of these for free i think if you were a, a black lotus here you got six of them um in your bag in your loot bag you got six of these packs and we didn't no one knew that was happening until we were there
I mean, I, w- I got to on the final day, you were gone, you'd gone home and I was hanging out with our friend Tappy Toklas uh, and, you know, and, and Becca and, and, and um, Talia and the group of them that had all kind of done commentary or cosplaying and they were kind of hanging out with the Wizards crew and there was they filmed some stuff of them opening these packs. I think it'll I'm sure it'll get shared as part of a, a video at some point. Um, and, you know, the they were it was production, right? They were led into a cool area. They were sitting down, smiling, opening packs. And then as they were leaving, the like Wizards of the Coast or Reed Pop, I'm not sure who it was, handler person was like, thank you so much for doing this. And like, you know, here's a pack. And they gave the, you know, each of them a pack as they were leaving. Like, thanks for doing this thing for us. They're contracted. Like it's a, it's an important part of the event. They've just opened all these packs of cards that were like for the purpose of production. And then it's like, cool, this is a cool thing. It's an exclusive thing that we're giving you because you were a part of this event. You were an important part. There's 10 of you. Here's one of these as like a cool thing. And like, that was exciting. That was like a really cool thing. Like Tappy was so excited. She's like, oh my God, like, it's like I, get, I, I get to like take one of these home. This is awesome. But but they were also giving it to not just the people that worked for the event or like, you know, the upper echelon. Yeah, there was randoms on the floor. Just giving people like, random stuff. Hey, um, they're also giving them packs to every WPN store. So every base level WPN store gets one box of these. And then the more WN levels you're up, if you were to ask me how I understanding WPN levels, I'm not the person to talk to, um, but they get more, right? So, and that's, that is a free thousand dollar gift to one of these stores. And, you know, when this was first yeah. came over, like, well, the old, the last one, which was the secret layer with all the lands in it, you know, no, I still have that on my shelf. No one's bought that, which is like a little bit of, maybe you should have opened it and sold it as singles, but that's, you know, a, a different argument here for this one. You can use it to be a giveaway. Like that could be a, like I would play in a, I would play in a Sunday di- tournament. That was like the winner gets this box. Here's a modern tournament. You would get a decent turnout just for the ability to win something like that. Here's a really cool prize. And using it as a giveaway and a cool thing to give to people and a cool way to pay people, you know, a little bit of a bonus for when they do a good job is a cool feature of this product that because they've established it to be this expensive and, you know, to every person who's like, no, they should have printed, you know, for for a thousand dollars, I would have bought every, you know, it should have been exactly like collector edition, every single card in alpha in a single box as like a cool little set of cards for for x amount of for 50 dollars or whatever you know whatever it was for collector edition like that was never going to happen they are printing just the power nine was worth 20 grand so funny (laughs) in in non-legal non-legal but legal in canadian highlander legal in um every cube in the country legal in the commander decks that will let you play it illegal in uh, vintage tournaments right a lot of vintage tournaments allow, allow collector edition cards not counting against the proxy rule so there there is like viability uses of these cards and with that they were marketing for that amount you can't like you the the wizards would be mistake like mistaken to do that at that price right a because they're taking the price b because stores would take advantage of it in the way we said now is this a good product I don't, I think it's kind of dumb. I think it's kind of ugly <laughs> from a, from a, from a like physical product. Like, is it worth the dollars? Would I pay? No, I wouldn't buy this. I think buying it is a mistake. I think it existing to be a cool giveaway is amazing. Uh, I think that is its main feature to me in my head. This is a product that exists as a thing that I get to be given randomly maybe. And I have never received one for the record. I have no plans. There's been no contact of me getting a cool <laughs> gift box filled with these things at any point. Um, and 
is it cool that maybe I could buy singles from it? Maybe I like don't think the artwork is that pretty. So like at first I was like, oh, I could buy like an old border, gold border, Birds of Paradise or you know one of the less expensive cool cards. I probably don't even know if I'm going to do that. But I think like if I were to give one, I'd be really excited. I like would be very thankful. Um, I think that like if I was in a random person and was given one, that would be really cool. It'd be really cool to be given the opportunity to give this to people. I think I think I think what you're saying is to distill the whole point of everything you just said down to its core. I think the thing is like this is a unique product that skirts the issue of the reserve list. I think everybody who has watched and paid attention knows that it's not the reserve list. It is not. They are not tournament legal cards. So they are collectible pieces of collector's edition level cards. That being said, they are going to exist. And if you open a Lotus, when you open your pack, you're going to lose your shit. It's going to be really cool. You'll be really excited. It'll feel like you opened a Black Lotus. You didn't make a billion dollars, but you'll feel like you really came up on that. There aren't enough of these printed. There's no way Wizards would be dumb enough to print enough of these to make them readily accessible where people would be buying them for significantly less than the retail value. There's no way. They, there's a small number of these packs printed. Some are given away. Stores get some. And that's all there's going to be. If there's another edition of this, which probably there will be, something similar at some point, they probably won't do it next year, but there'll probably be some, you know, maybe 40th or 35th anniversary or something or another similar product or something. But it, it won't... I'm, they're not going to print Black Lotuses every year. I promise you that. I, there's no way. There's zero chance. Like stuff like they, they, like they're smart. They're a smart company that knows what they're doing. And I just believe there's not enough of this product out there that it is actually a threat. I think it's more just a cool I think, thing. I think, I think like that's a argument to make it the people who care about the reserve list happy. But I think there's a the larger audience and the audience that's most mad are people that are mad about what you just said, right? Like. I don't care that that's a problem, right? I want them to print so many of these that it tanks the value of every card in here. And I want to be able to own a black Lotus. and I want to be able to own dual lands for nothing. Right. Like that. But why? That but why? But why? That's just like, but that's like purely based on the like immediate gratification of just, I want to be able to own the things I want to own. That's the only attitude that makes sense there. No, because you get not fair. I mean, what's fair is every person playing the game, having access to all the exact same pieces with no cost addition, right? Like, like the full, I get to, I get to own a dual land and I don't, why, why is it fair that in this legacy tournament, you get to have a better deck because you have $10,000 and me, a college student who doesn't have that money is going to lose to you because you spent it. That that's the argument. Because, right? because if you buy a deck of, if, I mean, my, my pushback on that is buy a deck of 52 cards, play poker with your friends. It costs you four bucks. If you want to play a card game that does not have collectible in front of it, that's a different game. This is a collectible card game. Well, Magic this, is, this is the best is the, game ever created. So, agreed, but it's the first CCG ever that had CCG. popular worldwide adoption. Yeah. So like there's an aspect of this game that definitely is accessible to everyone. What I said is true. If you want to write Sharpie Black Lotus on a card and play it with your friend at the kitchen table, I encourage you to do it. Do it. It's fun. You can play with the values of the cards. If you want to enter a sanctioned tournament, it's a different thing entirely. I don't think... There should be some expectation that the secondary economy of a game that a company just this year announced as its first billion dollar brand would be just accessible to everybody at all levels when it has 30 years of brand history. That's crazy. That's an insane thing. It's like if I buy a guitar <laughs> in 30 years, this guitar will be worth far more money than I bought it for. And they'll be selling a similar model at Guitar Center for what I bought it for. They're different. You can play the same. You can play a guitar. It'll sound just the same. It'll look similar. It'll still be Gibson, 
but I'll have had this one for 30 years and I deserve to have some value for the fact that I spent the money 30 years ago. Why? That's like why it matters. Why? Because I, mean, I spent I, the money okay. and invested and held on to it and take care, it took care of my investment, like a car or a house or anything. Like I, I, I was the one who made we're sure getting, it was clean. We're getting a little bit and I realize I should stop it <laughs> because <laughs> this is not the podcast to get into capitalism versus not capitalism, which is what this discussion is. The point, the point I will make is that this is an opt-in product. This product isn't required to play in tournaments. In fact, it is specifically said you are not allowed to play with these cards in tournaments. This product right. exists. And because of that, I think it's one not to get mad out. That That's going to be my main point to everyone is I hear why you could be mad about why this product exists. I get why it's also a mediocre product to exist. I get also that calling it the 30 anniversary product when it is specifically exclusionary in a lot of ways is all true. Don't, it's not worth getting mad about. It's not worth getting mad about that at the people who made this product. It, that is wasting your brain space on something you shouldn't. And I think that there are benefits to this product existing that we discussed some of them. Um, I think that the negatives are a lot smaller than the benefits. And I think that there are much more negative things, specifically the product we're going to talk about next, <laughs> that are worse. And uh, unless Ben, you have anything else you want to say on the Magic 30 product, because we want to get to the next one. I think my only point there is I, I agree with what you're saying. The whole conversation of capitalism is different. My, my, my only point saying it was like, if you buy something and it's important to you and you buy it when it's released and you hold on to it for a long time and in a long time from now, a similar thing is being released. It's okay for the thing you have to naturally accumulate value because people like the fact that it's old and cool. It's okay. It's okay that you held on to it and you took care of it. I don't think it means you should profit off of it and you shouldn't. I think that's not the conversation. I just don't think that like when something is collectible, just by its very nature, destroying collectability, which is, by the way, artificially is hard to do. Like even if they printed 10,000 more of this guitar, it would still mean that the one I got when I got it is still when I got it. It's still the one I got. So that's, I guess, all I mean there. Um, and, and that does bring us to the next the, the next thing, right? Like I do think. Like, I've been very defensive of the Secret Layer program, right? I think it actually is, it, it, alongside this Magic 30 pack, I, I think, like, this type of premium product is great, right? I think that these are not pieces you need to own. They increase the supply in the market. They um, are, are like, the best type of premium product is ones that are just, like, this is a very cool version of something, not this is the only way you can get this thing. You know, I think the mythic rarity is been worse for Magic than the secret layer concept in general. Even the limited released ones, especially once they fixed it with the the printing them into packs, eventually versions for the Stranger Things ones, right? Like premium versions of cards, I think is a really cool idea, and I think collector boosters are really good. I think standard is the cheapest it's ever been ever because collector boosters exist because now. It, you can buy those packs. Those packs are filled with foil premium versions of the cards that you would be able to get. And it makes the entire format less expensive. Um, that being said, the secret layer for Magic 30 edition, which is a very unique, different beast. Uh, so for those who don't know what it is, it was a 30 card advent calendar countdown towards the end of the year that Wizards made that has some amazing cards in it. I'm, I'm expecting the wonderful editors behind the MM cast to throw up some of the cool cards like Sharknado and other ones that are all around us, uh, or Shark Typhoon, not NATO. Um, and it's coming from like, basically is like ideas from every secret layer since the beginning of secret layer with the artists that made those adding more art to them. It's amazing product. And, but to be able to pull it off so that it hit 
the deadline of it had to get to anyone whose hands who ordered it by December 1st this year. They pre-made them and there was a extremely limited supply. And because of that, their website this morning when they or yesterday morning when they uh, put it up for sale, it basically sold out and instantly through a system that crashed multiple times and every person trying to buy it. Multiple people bought multiple copies accidentally uh, just because of how the system was cooking your, their computer. They found out that they got three notifications that they bought three copies of it instead of just buying one. Uh, so that not only did it sell out instantly a product that made it so no one can get it, it did it in a way that some people got more than they wanted and some people couldn't get any. And this is the Magic 30 secret layer, which means that we now have the second Magic 30 pack that is extremely hard and limited to get your hands on. The Magic 30 thing that you're talking about sold out immediately, and it was difficult to get for tons of people. I saw that all of Twitter was pissed about this. Did you get one or no? Uh, a a fan who is one of my favorite people is one of the people who uh, on, on tech I accidentally got multiples and offered to sell me one at, at retail. So they're the best. Um, but that's through someone else offering one of their extras that they accidentally got. I've been able to hopefully get my hands on one. So like that's an awesome product. And I know you have bought many secret layers. Many people I know have. It's expensive, but it's awesome. You get 30 cards and it has a lot of cool stuff in it. It's very different than a $250 random pack, which is the Magic 30 pack, which I have never spent that much on a pack. I don't think you ever have either. And I, I don't know that I ever would spend on a random pack that kind of money. I would rather just buy a single. So this to me is like one pack is promotional. This thing is a very specific pack that I wish more people could get. It's 30 awesome cards that represent the history of Magic. And it's crazy. My whole Twitter feed was just, I got, and this is by the way of content creators who like, People who like I would expect would have some amount of like access to like getting one directly or something, but like the vast majority were just no. like I didn't get one. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like the complaint I have for this is like kind of it's not the it, it's not similar to how I complained about the Magic Thirty packs, but like the issue here there's two issues. One, the fact that this is an anniversary product that they like for arbitrary reasons as a Jew, I don't care about Christmas. I don't think I've, I think I've opened one advent calendar once. I think a friend bought us a Lego star Wars advent calendar last year. And it was the first time I've ever opened an advent calendar. I have zero nostalgia for the process. <laughs> um, uh, I like resisted making the joke that this was anti-Semitic <laughs> multiple times yesterday <laughs> because it's like a Christmas themed product that my, like I'm suffering because of Christmas is, a fun thing to make fun of as a Jew. <laughs> um, but the, the idea that like this had to be pre-made so that people could get their hands on it before Christmas, which for the record is not even the Christmas of the 30th anniversary. Technically 2023 is the 30th anniversary year. 2022 is not that it just is when they're starting this process. Cause they're celebrating over the next year. And whenever you release product, you kind of start with the date a little bit early. It's why like M10 came out in 2009. Um, and so that's a totally arbitrary reason to make this extremely difficult to get your hands on when every other secret layer is print on demand, right? If that's how that like the way the secret layer system works and it's the reason they could do really cool niche things, right? They're able to like find weird artists or unique card spins or unique ideas is because they only make however many people buy within the month period that item is for sale. So if 700 people want to buy really cool ninja rats, they'll make 700. If 60,000 people 
want to buy cool ninja rats, 60,000 pieces of the product is what they'll make. This is the first time they've made a secret layer that wasn't sent to, to stores. Like the Fetchland one was n- obviously not printed to demand. Um, the first time they've made a secret layer that was being ordered online that was limited in this way. Why is another Magic 30 product that is supposed to be celebrating the anniversary of Magic the Gathering and of the three products doing this, the most celebratory and the one that is based on a system that is the easiest to make available to at least everyone in the United States, which I apologize to our international people, but they've also figured that out. This could have been done internationally, but no, it's, it's, it's only available for the people that their computers didn't freak out and shut down uh, or who friends or, or, or uh, people that like them. <laughs> uh, it is, well, there, there's, there's a level of, there's, I think there's like a level of what if, you know, this product had been readily available to everybody and, and it like printed to demand and there was not any kind of restriction. And then uh, by the same token, what if the Magic 30 packs had been cheaper? Like they, they were they were made cheaper so people could buy them. Not like significantly cheaper, but maybe $50 packs or, or $100 packs instead of $250, right? Like not, we're not talking like retail. And what if they had made the event site larger and the buy-in cheaper for the event, which we'll get to in a minute. Do you think that it would have just been like infinitely larger on all levels, way more people buying all of the things like like not well, think, not like well, I think at least half. I think three, three different right, three different things. Right. This thing, I think they. I, I, I mean, to be even further, I think they in as soon as they possibly can figure it out, I think they should announce before this podcast comes out and then they should as soon as they can figure out how to get it in line with their schedule another print run of this product another print run of this product that's unlimited the the people that got it before christmas they get the cool advent product version of it maybe make the next version a little bit more expensive make it two hundred dollars to get the print on demand version so that you you know make it a little bit different and more valuable for the people that got it early maybe they're all white border maybe you get rid of the foils on the print demand version whatever you need to do but just make it again let a bunch of people buy it because a bunch of people will like it their wizards is sacrificing free money because i know at least i would buy more even if i get the one i'm getting i would probably buy a second <laughs> right so like i don't think there's i think that one yeah i think they are making significantly less money than they could have if they had just left it open for everyone to buy it right the amount of disappointed people is proof to that for the collector boosters i don't think there's a way to have done that product differently other than maybe calling it a different name my big change there wouldn't have not called it a 30 anniversary product. I would have called it something else. Beta, beta gold. That might be a superhero actually. Oh, it's booster gold, gold. booster gold. Booster gold. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then for the, 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 the magic event we'll talk about, cause I have, I have a lot of notes for that and, sure. and we'll, we'll sure. get into that. Um, for this one, I just think, just make printed demand for people that don't want it before Christmas. Right. Like I think, I think, I think if they had printed it, if they had gave the option to start, I don't think anyone would have bought. I think very little people would have bought the, like get it right now, but even then maybe not, there's going to be value. If they, even if they do this print to demand thing, which I don't think they will, I think they should. I don't know if they will. Um, the, the first set's going to be worth a lot of money, especially for that six months or whatever it's going to take for the other ones to get out there. Right. Yeah. Like, as we've seen in the past, when you get really early access to magic product that isn't made available to everyone yet, it's worth a, a massive lot. premium for that time frame. What do you think is the coolest card in the set for you personally? The Shark Typhoon is a really sweet, sweet, sweet card. 
Because it looks like a shark tiny. It like, like it looks like a Sharknado. It's like it's like it like, looks like a B movie poster, which it's based on a B. Right, right. There's like a lot of legacy yeah, yeah. to that, and that card's sick, right? Like Sharknado, I will play that card in many a format. Shark Typhoon's great, yeah. Because there's like thirty cool cards. There was like a bunch when I looked it up. There was like a whole bunch of iconic cards that were like very, very, very played over the years and had like done very, very cool things. Okay, like looking at it, the the Necropotence is amazing. Um, yeah, the Limb yeah. Duel's Vault is amazing. Um, I could use another Chrome Mox. <laughs> I don't actually. I really like how it looks. The fact that it looks like an old, like a classic Moxin for the first time, is obviously really cool. The Ponder is amazing. Um, finally, we got to do Sun Titan. I'm a little mad that this isn't in the style of the Cal Caldheim Titans. Oh sure, as like a random complaint. So like, do, so the secret layer for Caldheim had every Titan but Sun Titan as one of the Titans you can get because it was oh. Burrow and um, uh, 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 the black red one uh, themed. So you got each of those Broke, and you got the blue and the green Titan and you got the red and the uh, black Titan. So there's no white one. So I wish that this was in the style of that. Um, I have the I have the judge promo birthing pod and I like it more. Uh, I really like the Elsbeth, like the old border planeswalker style. For that Elsbeth yeah. is really fun and cool. Yeah, those are some of my favorites for sure. So it's definitely a product that you were excited for. And I think many, many people were. I, I saw like tons and tons of magic players that were super hyped on it. Yeah, you know, like this one seems like the biggest mistake. Right. I think I think the Magic 30 booster pack is a cool idea that has some issues to it is costed weirdly, but hopefully is going to be used in a cool way. And I don't see a lot of solutions on how to have done it differently other than naming it something that isn't meant to be the celebration of Magic's 30th years of being in existence when most players aren't going to be able to participate in it. Right. It's expensive and hard to execute and controversial. So yeah. there's like very little ways to do it in a way that's going to make everybody happy. But I think it's the, worth this, doing this, right. I, I think this is a, this is a, this is, this is a mistake. They like made mistakes mistake. in how this was executed. So, yeah. So, so, you know, those are the first two. I do think that we're running a little bit of time. I think we're going to uh, save the magic 30 event. Cause I think there's a whole conversation there that I want to have as a as a second part part two um so make sure to hit that like and subscribe button that episode will be coming out very shortly i think we're going to try and get it out this week as well um we're going to be at magic summit so maybe doing a double week um but uh as i mentioned please if you're going to go to magic summit and you want to buy stuff and you can use the checkout code use keyword kess uh, it helps us out make sure to check out the patreon there's an awesome patreon gift card make sure to follow both me and ben online i'm at kess wiley uh tiktok is my favorite place for you to follow but also twitter as long as elon musk doesn't you know burn it to the ground by the time this episode comes out uh and ben where can people find you oh you might see a blue check mark if i'm willing to pay eight dollars but uh no i i'm you guys find me at ben babin media on twitter and uh most places and i i do have a tiktok that is ben babin music that i have been recently starting to try to build up so those are the best places to find me all right and thank you so much uh to everyone involved making this podcast happen we'll uh make sure also if you are going to buy cards at tcg player there's a tcg player link below as well for affiliate code thank you so much we'll talk to you uh next uh episode which could be coming out shortly uh maybe this maybe today maybe there's a version that this just comes out you know within 24 hours so uh thanks this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future